Welcome to another episode of Unwired. Uh, this is your host, Robert, and I'm joining you from wonderful Maryland. Yay. Happy to be here. Happy to speak to you. And I know this is the second week in a row that uh, we are delivering our podcast late. It's so funny because I remembered on Monday to record. I sort of remembered Monday evening and then Tuesday morning, I completely forgot. And so I'm trying to work on getting my scheduling better. It wasn't as if I had anything to do Tuesday morning. I knew I had an event Tuesday night. Um, and I think I was just focused on that event and getting ready for that, that I completely forgot the podcast. So I'm a couple of days late. My apologies, but we thank you for listening in. And today, I'm still waiting to get my next guest on, but today I'm going to be talking to you about um, uh, just some some recent faux pas, some recent mistakes that were made. And uh, what's interesting is, these are episodes I had done before. We're talking about um, making a checklist. Part of the problem with doing so many different jobs is you really need different checklists for each job, or at least you need a checklist with um, sections. So you can decide which cameras you're taking. You could have a section for cameras. Uh, different cameras are useful at different shoots, or I should say different shoots require different cameras. That's a better way of saying it. So now I have about basically four different types of cameras, which can all be used together, obviously. But you also might have a specific need. Like if I'm just doing an event, I might throw up my PTZ camera and use that and one standalone camera, one camera, uh, personally operated camera. Uh, which I've had to do recently. Uh, I brought, I had the mixer, I had the power supplies for everything, extension cords, gaff tape, everything I could possibly need, except a monitor for the switcher. Uh, I would love a case that can carry the switcher and the monitor at the same time, but those are hard to find. So I forgot the monitor. And then sometimes I'm able to get a monitor, a loner, but it was the wrong kind, a VGA monitor, and I didn't have the adapter from VGA to HDMI wouldn't work. Uh, luckily, I used the screen on the recording, but then I could only see program. I wasn't able to set up for uh, additional shots. So there's that's number one. Then, yeah, this is something I learned a while ago. As soon as you buy a piece of equipment, you should label it. You should label the power supply as to what it goes to. We had done an event, and as we were breaking down, we I came up with this power supply in my hand, and I'm like, uh, where does this go? What's this supposed to go to? We didn't know, and as you know, when you're breaking down, it's at the end of the day, you're sort of ready to get out of there. I was trying to get to another event, so we threw it in a case. We moved on. When I was packing up for... Uh, an event in DC I got the monitor and I picked up the power supply I was like oh we still don't know what this goes to let me just put it down make sure I know where it is and when we get uh, unpacked and ready to set up the warehouse I'll put it back 
that happened to be the power supply for the monitor that I needed. So once again, we had to scramble around. One time I forgot the monitor, the next time I forgot the power supply for the monitor. So my checklist needs to cover these things. If I'm taking a switcher, I know I need a monitor. A switcher without a monitor is just about useless. Especially if you're not in the same room as the event. And even if you are, you need to know what these shots look like before you take them. You don't want to take a moving shot. So I ended up having to go and re-edit some things. Then, another faux pas of mine. I went with two cameras to a shoot. I set up one. Camera just fine. Got everything sort of set. Did a white balance on both cameras. But I forgot to change the saturation settings because sometimes you have it set for cinema or where it's um, or you set it in a log format you have a camera set in a log format which means you're not going to get all the colors you're supposed to um, color correct and uh, do some color enhancements after the fact so you can get the picture looking exactly the way you want but the problem with that is if you're going through a switcher and you're switching back and forth with the picture, that if one camera is set up correctly and the other one isn't, you're going to have to go back and try to color correct just the shots that are bad. And that's a lot harder to do than if you just had one complete file that you color correct and then you bring it in and uh, match it. It's even easier if you just have them color corrected from the very beginning, you have them both set to roughly the same saturation levels, and you get exactly the picture you want from the very beginning. Then you don't have to waste the time in post getting the things done. So once again, your the key is to be prepared. There's certain things you just need to check. And because I was scrambling around at that event to find a monitor, I didn't take the time to do the other things. That's This is the loss of time. You can get to an event early. You can get set up early. But if you don't double check your settings or you don't have everything you need, any time you think you've saved, you've actually lost. So those are things that you need, you need to think about ahead of time. So now we've had some good successes. We've had some events where people were very thankful. Everything sort of worked properly. But once again, those are the ones that you have the checklists for. Those are the ones that you're properly prepared. There is nothing. I have cases upon cases just with adapters because you don't know what environment you're going to run into. You may have to uh, have gender changers. Yeah, all sorts of things just so that you can get your production to work properly. But being prepared ahead of time, I guess you consider that part of preparation. But being prepared requires some forethought. You can't start throwing things in your car an hour before an event and think that everything's going to be okay. So I vow from this point on, you hear me, on this date in June of 2019, that I vow to always be prepared. Whose motto is that? The Boy Scouts. Have I ever been a Boy Scout? No. But that's still going to be my motto, to always be prepared. And that's going to require those checklists. I have them up on the website. So I should just use them. Plain and simple. Now, as equipment changes, 
the checklist change. And I think that's part of the laziness not going through and changing the checklist. I've I've switched out equipment now. I have portable recorders. I have um, additional monitors. I have, uh, like I said, the switcher, the, the PTZ camera, all these things that are now extra that I need to put on the checklist. And you could have write-ins. You could have space to write in equipment um, and then just make sure you double-check. So your process should be, as we went over before, that was last season, your process should be get your checklist together, match it up against either what the client ordered or what you feel you have to bring. The day before, you go through the checklist pack, get everything ready, either in your warehouse or your living room, like I have to do in some cases. Then, as you take them out, if you don't have an assistant, you're going to have to do it manually. If you have an assistant, just have them check off on everything you're putting in the vehicle. At the end of the event, and this is the hardest part, is you still go over that checklist and make sure you have everything. We have left equipment at places. There are times where I've almost left equipment. You know, you have to, uh, there was things under tables, and I nearly left. And some of these events are hours and hours away. You can't always go back and get it. And sometimes you, you'll never see it again. So you can lose, potentially lose thousands of dollars worth of equipment because you're not following your checklist. Now, some other events that we did that uh, were interesting. Um, we, we cover many different kinds of events. A lot of talking events, a lot of... Um, interviews, um, speaking engagements, uh, let's see. There are some events where with, with many presenters and audio is always a big issue, getting the audio right. And sometimes you're not able to get a hold of the mixer before you get on site. And with analog mixers, it was fairly straightforward. You know, some of them were a little bit different in, in how they routed things. Uh, some of the analog buttons, excuse me, some of the analog mixers had buttons in different places or different meanings, especially if you're going between a recording console and a live console. But for the most part, analog mixers were the same. Digital mixers, though, that's a whole other world. So I work with a lot of Allen and Heath, the iLive series. iLive series has actually been retired for the last at least four, maybe even five years now. So the iLive series has been retired. It's a good, good board. And they've come out with successive boards, a QU series, an SU series, a DLive series. Um, and they each sort of operate differently. So my familiarity, familiarity with the iLive in some ways is a deterrent when you get onto another board and you're trying to figure out and your mind, your muscle memory keeps going back to where things were on your previous board and you don't get enough experience on the current board. Case in point, going from, um, the, Q, from the iLive, as I said, to a QU board was a bit problematic because things are not in the same place. Things aren't routed the same, and how you get to your pages is different. So in the iLive series of boards, 
if you wanted to use your monitors, you can set up your board. You can arrange your board very differently. It's much less. Con it's much more configurable the iLive than the uh, QU series. So on the QU series, if you want to see how your channels are being routed, how your microphone's being routed, you would choose your microphone, you would select your microphone, and then you have to flip to another page to see how it's routed, to see where your auxiliaries are, your effects are, things like that. On the iLive series, I, that was the QU, on the iLive series, you can hit mix, and depending on how you have your display set up, it will show you exactly how that channel set on that same page. You, you may have to flip through pages, but you may not have to. And sometimes in the flipping through the pages, you lose track of where you are. Now, I had my iLive color coordinated, so I can just look at it and tell immediately what colors are the microphones and then what colors are the auxiliaries for you to send your signal out to and how to mix that. The problem with the SU series is you don't have that same color coordination. And if the person has used their own console tape, and since console tape will only help to show you what's on one page, once you flip to the next page, the console tape is irrelevant, it can be confusing. If you have no idea what I'm speaking about, <laughs> then uh, it would be a good idea to check out some YouTube videos about the QU series, the Allen and Heath QU series of boards, and they'll be able to explain what the different pages are and how to access certain features. They really are great boards, I think. Uh, their preamps are, are really well made. I don't have too many problems with it. We've had the iLive for a couple of years. In fact, we have two iLives and one QU, um, and they work really well. I am a fan of theirs. The problem is when you try when you've worked so much with one board and you go to use another, uh, things can get confusing. Um, we have the Behringer and Midas series of um, transportable mixers. Uh, that rack mountable and the ones that don't come with an actual interface you can either buy a separate interface or control them with your iPad or laptop or whatever and how those boards route is very different and so every so often I just pull it out of the mothballs if I'm not using it for a while and go through it so that I don't wait till I get to an event and I'm trying to figure out how to do it we've done that before gone to events pulled it out and trying to figure why is this thing not working why is this thing not working and it turns out it's simple switches but we don't have time we have to just get the show going so we oftentimes have to reroute uh, <laughs> one funny story that uh, my friend will not let me forget is a time we were trying to get pops out we were using a a uh, stage microphone uh, one of the shore um, desktop microphones for some reason, the model number is escaping me right now. And we were getting a lot of pops just because of how it was set up. I had already read up on how to get rid of pops. So I go into the EQ and I set it and I don't hear any difference. So I set it again. Don't hear any difference. I start to cut the lows. I mean, I completely stomped on everything below 200 megahertz. 
I don't hear any difference. At the end of the show, as we were getting ready to pack up, and I'm checking out the EQ, I realize there's an in button. Alan and Heath has the same in button. In actually means on. In means we're going to put this in the routing sequence. So as we're testing it, I hit the in, and you can immediately hear the the bass get crushed, and the sound from the microphone was terrible. I had just not activated the EQ, so I'm making all these adjustments, and because I hadn't activated it, it didn't work. So now it's one of those things I triple check. When we're doing sound check or whatever, I take a look at every single light and button and say, hey, is this thing supposed to be on? Am I supposed to be compressing? Am I supposed to be EQing? What's going on? Make sure they're turned on. I would rather leave them turned on and flat than forget to turn them on as I'm making my adjustments. So once again, those are things to think about. We, we, we like to pretend that doing a show is easy. It's second nature. I mean, we've literally done so many of them in so many different locations to load-ins, setups, running the show, breakdown, packing up a truck, and going home. We do it so many times that sometimes we forget the little things. And the really, it's the little things that make a show. Obviously, big problems can destroy a show. But little things that we sometimes take for granted, like having the right adapters, or having the right cables, or having good cables. It makes a difference because those can be time sinks. S-I-N-K. Time sinks. If you don't have the right cable... Oh, batteries. I'll get into batteries in a second. If you don't have the right cable, or your cable is damaged, now you're in the middle of DC, or you're in the middle of nowhere, and you've got to look for a cable. You gotta look for a store that'll sell the right cable. You gotta pray that it's open, the store is open, they have what you need, and that you can afford it. I remember one time we went to do an event. I didn't want to travel with a lot of equipment. I went to do an event and I forgot some XLR cable. So I had to go to the local store. I'm not gonna mention who, you know, the actual manufacturer, Samash. And I found that their XLR cables were expensive. But I didn't have time to overnight from Amazon. I didn't have time to um, search out different stores because the amount of stores that sell high-end audio equipment is really shrinking. Everything is done online now. So I wasn't prepared. I, I didn't think it through. And I actually don't want to bring a ton of cables on a plane. But... Because I didn't think it through, I didn't have everything ready, I had to pay that extra cost. And it was fairly expensive. A cable, a good XLR cable that I could usually get for $18 was for uh, $29. Uh, and if you don't think $10, $11, $12 is a big deal, uh, then I need your wallet. Then, on top of that, batteries. Having... I, I believe in um, rechargeable batteries. I have a ton of rechargeable batteries. And every so often, even if there's some downtime between shows, I'll just go out and refresh them, put them in a charge. Now, I have some pretty good rechargers. Um, hang on a second. All right, so I have Energy 8 Plus 
Chargers. Um, it's someone at my church had bought one, and I found them to be really good at refreshing and recharging batteries. I keep calling them rechargers, actually chargers. And they are good. Let me see the manufacturer's name. Ansman, A-N-S-M-A-N-N. Uh, these are really good chargers that that we've picked up. And I have about four of them. As well as a couple of, you know, manufacturers, rechargers. But I also tend to buy N-loop batteries. I think those are really good. They last a long time. I've had some going two years strong at our church where we use them every week for a couple of hours. And I have two different sets, the white label and the black label. I've come across a couple of different colors, but they've seemed to be harder to find now. But these batteries get recharged all the time because I've learned, especially with the pocket cinema camera 4K that chews through batteries like nobody's business, you have to have good batteries and you have to have them charged. Before every show, I get all, all the chargers, put them in the middle of the living room, charge everything up. This way, there's less of a chance of me losing power in the middle of an event, which has happened before. Then you got to run to the local CVS and pay three times as much for a set of Duracell batteries that they have in stock. And you, you pray that it's Duracell and not some off-brand um, or store-brand that you know is just going to die in the middle of the most important speech. And you got to run up on stage and change out batteries. That's hilarious. So this is, this is about preparation, how to be prepared, prepared, how to be ready for your event. Um, some people say be ready for any eventuality. I'm not so sure that's possible. There's just too many different things that can happen. <laughs> Tell you a funny story. Um, there's one time we were getting ready to, we were doing rehearsal on a Friday night for a Saturday church service. And the special music singer came in and I looked at her hand and she had a cassette tape. And I'm waiting to see what she says. So she asked, okay, I'm here to do a sound check. I'm looking at her hand and I asked her, uh, what's that for? She said, oh, don't you have a cassette player? I'm like, uh... Uh, Ma'am, this is 2018. We took out the cassette player a couple of years ago. So, of course, we scrambled to find, to download uh, the audio for her so we could just put it to a, a CD and play it or play it from the phone. I think we played it from the phone. But trying to be prepared for every eventuality is a bit crazy. I mean, if someone brought to you an 8-track and said they were going to sing off of that, would you have a record? and said they were going to sing off of that. Would you be prepared for that? You know, one uh, very famous singer I know always traveled with his own mini disc and cables. Um, but now with the new digital boards, they don't always have the inputs you would need if you wanted to hook that up. You'd still need to convert that from eighth inch to XLR. So you should have an eighth inch XLR adapter uh, or at least something in that range. Uh, and then when you're talking about video, how many different connectors on there are there now for laptops? There's a myriad. You got 
HDMI, VGA is still going on strong. Some still come with display ports. You have DVI. Um, you have Thunderbolt, USB-C. I'm already counting six. And people have this bad habit. I've bought multiple adapters for our church. And when I'm not there, they have this tendency to disappear. People don't may not mean to take it. <laughs> they just take it by accident. So you have being prepared means you're constantly going through and checking and making sure you have all these connectors. You have all these things available for you in case someone comes. And heaven forbid someone tells you early that something's happening. We never know. So <laughs> being prepared takes on a whole different meaning at that point. You know what? I think we can end there for today. Um, I thank you for listening, and I'm going to be get back on the prepared train. I'm going to have my checklist and be ready. Um, from monitor to camera to audio recorder to batteries to cables to adapters to uh, what's missing? Oh, recording media. Don't forget that. Make sure it's wiped. Make sure the stuff that that needs to be backed up is already backed up. Uh, make sure you have enough storage locally to dump down whatever your footage is before you leave so that you have it backed up and you don't have to call the clients and say, you know, that recording that you paid me money for, uh, I lost it all. Would you like your refund check? No. Yeah, you want to kill your reputation? You, you make a couple of calls like that. So thank you for listening to Unwired. Once again, we've changed our email address. Thank you for those who are writing to us. It is unwiredthepodcast at spaceage-llc.com. You can also just send it to unwired at spaceage-llc.com. But for now, unwiredthepodcast at spaceage-llc.com. We thank you for listening. Don't forget our Facebook, our Instagram, our what else do we do? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's it, Twitter. Thank you for checking in with us. And continue to listen out for uh, new episodes. And if you want us to cover something, please let us know. This is Robert signing off. <laughs>